Welcome to another edition of Bleeding Edge Interviews, where we get to know the elites and the rising stars of the prog world just a little bit better. I'm your host, Super Dave. Thank you for joining me. So far, it seems to me that 2024 is continuing right where last year left off as far as the world of progressive rock is concerned. And that means we're seeing one amazing new release after another. It's an embarrassment of riches once again, and I love it. Now, one of them in particular has been creating a lot of buzz and, yeah, not too early to say album of the year talk with their unique merging of modern prog sensibilities and heavy 80s influence, especially synth pop. That band is Kairos, and their fourth album, Mannequin, is currently making big waves all over the place, not the least of which with me, as they bowled me over recently when I reacted to their single, Esoterica, and immediately knew I wanted to chat with them. So in a surprising stroke of luck, I was actually able to arrange the talk with the entire band, a feat not previously achieved before on Bleeding Edge, and beating the record previously held by Haken when I talked to three of their members. Sorry, Haken, you have been pushed out of the number one slot there. So as you're going to see, these folks are as fun and thoughtful as they are clearly talented. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Shelby Logan Warren, Charlie Kaywood, Robin Johnson, and Joe Frivola. Together, they are Kairos. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me, all of you. I appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's first time I've gotten the entire band of anybody all at one time, so it's very cool to get to talk with the entire group all at the same time. Welcome, and uh, how is everybody feeling today? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Chris. yeah, pretty good. Oh, I can see Theo's joined Joey. That's very cute. Yeah. <laughs> She's doing her best oh, yeah. parrot, parrot impression. Yeah. That's as often. Fair enough. I noted that as well, but I'm tied up with my technology focus so i didn't comment but anyway so starting off i don't know if all of you have noticed um but the new album is pretty much lighting up the progosphere as i call it uh on fire with positive reactions and reviews um mannequin really has uh been a hit uh up to this point that i can see so far of course the reflex is to ask you how you're feeling about that but i think it's probably safe to say you're feeling rather pleased it's yeah. it's yeah it's quite motivating isn't it <laughs> yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's certainly a, it's a pretty good feeling it's a pretty good feeling yeah do you it's, guys keep track of that stuff do you read up the reviews and all that to see what people are thinking or do you avoid that <laughs> I, I i actually don't I'm, i've never been a um review reader particularly um speaking personally i i don't know i think some kind of other members nice probably are. <laughs> I kind of, I'm of the mentality of just like, okay, if someone sends me a review to like watch, then I'll be like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. But um, I almost relish in negative reviews. <laughs> yeah, so we're actually, we're actually we were, really disappointed yeah, we how many disappointed positive reviews there are. <laughs> where are all these negative, where are they? And yeah. I don't mean that as a like, oh, look at us getting all these positive reviews. I, I, I want to stress, I don't mean it like that. Yeah. I kind of just... Um, I've always found the negative reviews on anything that I've put out ever to or negative comments to be quite um, sort of constructive and it forces me to like reevaluate my my view on things. And um, sometimes I've, you know, I've had some really constructive like things come out of negative reviews that have really changed how I've approached things. So, you know, and maybe it's a little bit of sadomasochism, but there we go. 
there's not been like a scathing one yet i'm used because i'm used to playing in stuff that's a little bit more like maybe like polarizing like a bit more contentious perhaps i'm just used to like reading at least one or two which are just like this is awful the worst thing i've ever heard nor pure like hmm. not seen one about this one it's it's interesting yeah yeah i i was quite impressed with uh it just was one after another after another, at least in the circles in which I travel. And I went, wow. And I need to check this out immediately because I think I was admittedly only peripherally familiar with you guys. Um, but I, I hadn't had the opportunity to dig that deep in. So it was obviously, you know, when you see that many reviews popping up and they're all raving, talking album of the year consideration already, that is an attention grabber and uh it is wild it is absolutely yeah. wild and especially I mean, because we yeah. like no sorry robin you go ahead <laughs> well i was gonna say i mean we're certainly very grateful for the we're getting those reviews and um that they're giving the time to listen to the album in in detail because uh, i know a lot of detail does go in i mean like when i said i don't read reviews i don't mean to put reviewers down or anything like that yeah um yeah, it's it's great. I mean, we're we're very we're very grateful for the positive reception for sure. Certainly. At the yeah. time you were working on the album and finishing it up, did you have any awareness building that you might have something special on your hands? You know, what kind of ex uh, reactions were you expecting? You know, I at the back of my head, <clears throat> there was always this anxiety of like, oh, how are people going to react to the really poppy aspects of this album? You know, especially the tracks like ghosts of you have a really far out there new jack swing full-on 90s vibe mm -hmm. that wouldn't be amiss in something like a backstreet boys kind of you know area of of, <laughs> of the pop world but then we i think the thing that sets us apart is the fact that we infuse all these progressive elements into things like the new jack swing thing and it it is just progressive enough that it latches the people that are into the prog kind of, um, you know, the typical progressive music that you find out there, it latches them in in a way that makes them go, oh, this is different, but not way out of my comfort zone. And that's quite reassuring. Like that, that's been really quite like, I was really surprised that that was happening. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say the thing that surprised me the most is that the, the songs that seemed, people seemed to be latching onto the most were Esoterica and Ghost of You, which are the two most kind of dancey songs that we've ever done. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that out of all the songs, it's those two that people seem to be going to. That that, that was a, yeah, that, that was a surprise to me. I didn't expect that. Absolutely same. Yeah, I, I echo that all the way. It's been a massive surprise. I, I thought that people would more likely latch onto like the end in mind or have hope, you know, the ones that have got the more bombastic instrumental sections that take you on these twists and turns. Yeah. But um, to have people sing all, all these praises about tracks like Esoterica is like, I could not have called that at all. I did not see yeah. it. <laughs> well, what do we know? Yeah, what do we know? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking for myself and, um, I can say when I hear all these flourishes from the 80s and early 90s that are uh, on on exhibit in this album, and it actually flourishes almost undermines it. This has a strong, strong vibe of the time. So I was there, not as young as I look. I was there. <laughs> this totally, completely nails it. 
in terms of that sound, which to me, cool. you know, <laughs> I've not heard something like that in such a long time. And especially it, it could only probably have had a stronger 80s synth vibe or 80s period vibe. I mean, if you somehow got Phil Collins to play on drums or something like that, I, you know, like Phil was everywhere in the 80s. You couldn't step anywhere without stepping on Phil, which, pardon the metaphor, but anyway, um, <laughs> it just grabbed me from the start, Esoterica. You know, like I, I pulled the song up and I started playing. I went, oh, wow. wow. And and the little drum flourishes and, and, the, and the synth sounds and the whole thing going on. I'm like, holy smokes. And one, you guys, like a traditional prog band, had a very long intro on that song. So for a minute there, I thought it was going to be an instrumental. And about 20 seconds after I thought that, you started singing. And I went, okay, so <laughs> I'm wrong. Um, and the vocals blew me away. Uh, honest to God, I this is not something that happens often, but I got chills from the whole thing. Because oh, of the just the, the the blend of progressive elements and the '80s synth, I'm not one for nostalgia that much, but I loved it. Absolutely loved the sound of it, and I thought this is something I've never heard before, and that's that's always an attention grabber for me. Hmm. Well, thank you so yeah. much. I mean, thank you. you're you're speaking to a whole bunch of people that definitely appreciates a lot of '80s music. Um, I mean, especially like. Myself and Robin, we've had plenty of conversations about the likes of Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm definitely minorly obsessed with Phil Collins. I love him to bits. Uh, he's a massive inspiration as a yeah. vocalist, as a drummer, as a songwriter. So, <laughs> um, and Genesis is my favorite band. There you so go. So it's uh, both, you know, the 70s, more progressive era and the 80s pop stuff. Like, I feel yeah. like it all has qualities that appeal to me in one way or another. And I guess with what we do, we tend to channel that progressive meets pop aspect of the 80s progressive music movement. Because yeah. right? it, it obviously wasn't just Genesis doing that kind of thing. Like Rush was doing that as well in, in, a, in a massive way. Um, like Power Windows yeah. is such an influential album on, on us, I yeah. think, okay. and our sound. <laughs> yeah. I can hear that. And you're talking to a huge Rush fan here. So, you know, in that sense, I know exactly what you mean. It's in some ways almost when one looks back, and especially when you talk to a lot of people who've been around for a long time, the idea of 80s Prague almost in and of itself seems like an oxymoron because a lot of people like to dump on that period of time where all the Prague <laughs> fans went pop and they started sounding too commercial, blah, blah, blah. But really, not that much. I think. I think people underestimate it too much. I love. See, I, I yeah. Is. <laughs> Go on. I mean, I always see it the other way around. I see it as like pop music that's just got more intrigue to it. I, I kind of see it from com completely coming exactly. from the other way. Um, and the, and I th I don't think it was even just necessarily limited to the progier bands as well. I mean, like one of the fa my favorite albums that I was listening to last year was um, Pet Shop Boys introspective album. I don't know if you've ever heard that one. That whole album I'm, is I'm familiar, um, but not yeah, not deeply it, familiar. It's the one they made with Trevor Horn, um, and oh, like yeah. that album's got like, I think um, all the songs on that album are probably over seven minutes long, and it's essentially pop songs that have a sort of extended. I mean, like in dance music, it's quite common to have yeah. like an extended mix of something, and all of those songs on that album have that, and it, it feels kind of like a program. I mean, I think it's like sort of somewhat akin to what we did on Esoterica like have a sort of dance pop song, but sort of flesh it out more. And it's right. like fleshed, 
that's kind of why I think of a lot of those that sort of 80s progressive pop crossovers. It's like, you, you could say it's like watered down 70s prog, which arguably it kind of is, but it's also, uh, it's like pop music, but with more, I think, which I, I've always been a big fan of that yeah. idea. Yeah, I think it's coming at it from the wrong end of the stick, really, you know, rather than... Um, but then it's like if you grow up, but if you grow up with progressive music, I can see why you might take that viewpoint as well. Like it, it's very dependent on what you grow up with, sure. I think. So, yeah. Yeah. It seems, though, counterintuitive to me for people to ever have the idea in their minds that the progressive music, I mean, the word progressive is in it, that it wouldn't change. So I always, yeah, you know, kind of think back it's like well gee guys like you didn't expect these bands to sound like they did in 1972 forever did you is that the mm. only way they can possibly do it like progression means change yeah exactly you know it's all about pushing boundaries trying out new things and it's it's very i think that the term progressive and what it means to like songwriters and bands is that it's it's a very individualistic thing you know it's progressive within the context of the what of what you do and how you ingest the music around you and regurgitate that out yeah. in new ways and i think for us the fact that we're able to um uh throw out something like esoterica into the world is um is the result of the influences that we have, you know, where, where there will be EDM influences or 80s pop influences. And if that just happens to come out meeting progressive elements, then it's progressive by nature, right? Yeah, agreed, exactly. And I think, I don't know how you guys feel about the whole idea of the progressive label, but I've certainly encountered a number of folks in my various interviews who kind of feel a little like they want to resist that label because it it can tend to pigeonhole a band. I, I wonder what your thoughts are about that. Hmm. We've tried resisting in the past and I feel like <laughs> it, it's it's not it's easier said than done, I think, for a band that does what we do because it's just inevitable that people will associate it with that with that style. Um so we there was a definitely a period where we did try our best to resist it and I don't I don't know if it necessarily was really, I don't know if it even had any consequences really because people heard what we did and just thought, well, that's yeah. clearly how, that's the best way to describe it. Um, so um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel a little bit torn about that whole thing at this point, actually. I think for me, I just found that, as Robin said, we, we, we tried at one point, but then I think we just gave up caring it's not energy well spent to try and yeah. care about the labels that people put on us we're just going to make with the stuff we make and they can call it what they like yeah. it applies the path to madness if you worry too much about that kind of thing it's kind of for other people to worry about rather than the person who makes the work yeah 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 i, I and it's a funny thing because i i'm someone who's fallen into that genre is is really my primary it's not the only thing i like but it it i don't know how long it took me to really understand the concept of Prague as it is uh back listening then again listening to rush i never sat around thinking that rush was a progressive band and i look back and i go how did i miss that but mm -hmm. i don't think i cared that much i just liked the music i liked and 
to be honest, there was, I don't know that there'll ever be a time like there was in the first half of the eighties where there was such a blend of music that you could hear on the radio, top 40 radio, just such a blend of various styles and sounds and everything, whether it was country or a bit of metal or hard rock in between somewhere, synth pop, new wave, like everything. And it just was, I, I think maybe that's, where my brain struggled to start to categorize things a bit. But anyway, you guys push a hard nostalgia button for me. I got to say. <laughs> Great. Yeah. yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, people can get out of the music what they want. And if, if that's it, then fantastic. Yeah. 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 And, I think and at the same time, it's not like I'm thinking you guys are like this, this recreation of what was at the time. Like it's totally now, but it totally brings out these elements in such a genuine way. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I was, I was about to say in terms of it being a, a two-way street, right? Like people yeah. can get out of the music what they want, but in turn, we're also able to put out what we want. You know, we can yeah. take styles from all these different genres, mash them together and put it out there and no one's going to stop us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. <laughs> no one's, no one's going to save us from ourselves. No, <laughs> exactly. There was a period of time in the early aughts where I felt there were a lot of bands that were kind of doing that thing where it's it's a difficult balance to achieve. But they, to my ear, were clearly living their influences on their sleeve, but at the same time had completely their own sound. Um, in particular, it always comes to mind at that point, uh, My Chemical Romance and Coheed and Cambria, that like you could hear the influences there, but yet it was mm. still completely them. And I think that's where I would describe you guys at the moment, is that the influences are there, um, but it is clearly your own sound that that is they're coming through. Hmm. Well, again, that's very it. reassuring to hear. <laughs> yeah. And then as the band has progressed in retrospect at this point almost seems like this this blend of synth pop and prog that you guys have is is at one point surprising and yet a natural progression you could hear it building little by little um did you guys surprise yourself surprise yourselves with how far you leaned into it on this particular album personally yes i think i think i would say yes i don't know about everyone else but i i feel like Tracks like Ghost of You and Esoterica, especially, I um, I wasn't necessarily sure that these were going to be Kairos tracks in the very early days. Like they, they started off as a bit of fun, just like, a, oh, wouldn't it be funny if, and then, <laughs> and then these tracks came to be. And then as the guys were working on it and developing it, um, everyone seemed to like it. And everyone seemed to be on board with the idea of, pushing for a track like Esoterica to be on the album and a track like Ghost of You, which was very surprising to me because I, I again, they weren't necessarily going to be Kairos tracks. Um, so that was surprising for me at least. But then as things developed, as things progressed through the making of the album, it slowly came to be that, yeah, it does seem to somehow work. It, we seem to have this thing where we can put a track like Ghosts of You next to a track like Technology Killed the Kids 4, and it will be okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For my, speaking for myself, like I, I struggle to hear the issue. 
like everyone calls it out as like, oh, these tracks feel so different to the rest of the album or whatever. But I can't hear it that way. To me, it's just all a soup. It's all it's all one thing to me. I can't really hear why Ghost of You is so strange of a track, even though I know clearly it is. But it just seems like us to be. I don't know. Yeah, no, and I, I am slowly beginning to realize that now. It's taking it's taking time for it to like digest, but evidently the way we perceive the music that we put out there and the music that we piece together is very different to how other people perceive it and how they listen to it and how they interpret it. So there is there there is this thing of like, oh yeah, everyone is hearing it in this way, within this context, at face value, which wasn't the intention, but is how it's becoming. Yeah. <laughs> And it seems to work. So that's. I mean, I think, cool. yeah, I think also a lot of us grew up like listening to music that had a lot of different styles in it. Like an album might have like quite a lot of different elements. Like, um, I mean, um, like, I mean, a fairly recent example, Porcupine Tree. I mean, like the extremes some of their albums go to, you have like, I mean, in the same song, you have like death metal and like ambient Pink Floyd stuff and they, they make it work. So I feel like if they, if they could make that work, then there's no reason why we can't sort of put synth pop next to metal as well so um and i yeah i think just a lot of us grew up with that kind of idea that there that doesn't need to be like a fight a strong line drawn between genres so um yeah I, I think that idea was already kind of familiar to us and it i think it definitely seeped into this album and and previous ones too right yeah you bring up a good example there with porcupine tree because especially arriving somewhere but not here is a song i always joke around Hey, we're Pink Floyd. No, wait, we're Metallica. Oh, wait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was very influential on us. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always enjoyed that. Yes. I, personally, me hearing the album, I I can hear what I guess I call the, the connective tissue, that it is all part of the same album. But yes, the the various styles for each song that has its own personality, to me, is what makes an album like that enjoyable is the variety that is there yet it feels cohesive and i can probably think the next most recent analogy to that i can think of was last year with haken and fauna which was an album that so clearly was connected the songs are connected but each song just had its own distinctive personality and it had all these blends of, of stuff coming together and influences that i really 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 enjoyed this album has that same kind of personality to it i think where the songs will stand out but it's not like you're listening to it sounds like it came from a whole bunch of different places all at once and like different albums it's like no there's the style is there yeah and thank you for providing the term new jack swing because i could not think of how better <laughs> to describe ghost i'm sorry i'm tripping up on the title which i always do oh ghost of you Ghost of you. That's what I was going to say. And then trust my brain. Every time if oh, I get a hesitation there, I drop it and I get here. <laughs> but yeah, that's yourself. exactly what I think of. As soon as I read that, I went, oh, yeah. that's what I'm hearing. Okay. That I knew it had a familiarity to it. Very I, cool. I was listening to a, a lot of uh, a lot of New Jack Swing at the time. <laughs> there you go. Happened to come out. Yeah, was, and like so. I mean, soul to soul. Like I, I was listening to them quite a bit, like a couple of years ago. And mm -hmm. yeah, great band. There's a lot of great music from that period, I think, as well. Definitely. Yeah, and it wasn't even a term I remembered. I knew. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that helped. Um, so my understanding too, and 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 reading through it, 
the the kind of overarching theme within mannequin is is centered on masks and self-image and facades and all that um talk about the inspirations behind you exploring these subjects at this time i think the approach that we always have to albums other than vox humana is uh is a similar approach um that rush had to their albums which is the whole small c concept right right you know you take a theme and you work on songs and lyrics within that theme rather than a narrative yeah. and um on this on this album uh there was a lot of self-reflection going on over you know the the past few years and living through the pandemic and living through all of the all of the build-up to the pandemic and um uh i know for me personally you know there's obviously been a lot of life changes <laughs> and um a lot of reflection in order and it's amazing how people can live um their life masking whether they essentially put up a facade for the sake of just it's easier that way to blend into society and just get on with your life but it may not be the happiest way to live your life and i, I find that to be a profound thing to to reflect on and i think there's there's a lot of mileage you can get out of that that subject and evidently that's 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 for me that's where mannequin kind of um spawned in terms of my lyrical outfit um but now jerry wrote lyrics on the album as well so i'll, I'll let i'll let jerry talk about his parts <laughs> yeah i agree it was it was very much kind of analyzing people's approach to life and in my case uh I guess I didn't feel like looking at myself. So I kind of like looked at specific people in my life and kind of wrote from their perspective. That was my approach mm -hmm. for the ones I contributed. Yeah, it's it's very easy to, to, to spend your life falling into um, a rut because yeah. of it just being, you know, the, the easy thing to do, even if it's um, damaging your sense of self-worth and um your outlook but you know it takes a lot of courage to 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 change that and um it in turn leads to lots to write about <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes it does and i'm always kind of curious when those kinds of albums come out how much of it is here's the theme we're going to write about now go let's write music or I've written a bunch of music and I suddenly realize, you know what, these things interlace pretty nicely here. Let's flesh that out more. For me personally, it's definitely the second one. Hmm. Uh, I tend to start out with a blank slate and maybe I'll have a couple of voice memos on my phone of just some melody ideas. And I may start from there or I just may start from an idea that just is swimming around in my head and just get it out into the computer there and then. And then I'll come up with a, a very loose arrangement and um, and then I write the lyrics. <laughs> and from that point, there's a lot of push and pull, right? Where I'll, I'll throw the lyrics, I'll, I'll come up with a top line melody and try and fit the lyrics in. And then I may change the arrangement slightly to then mold to the lyrics. And then I may change the lyrics of it to then kind of, you know, there's a lot of mixing it all up. And then, um, and then eventually everyone comes in and then just, you know, suggests uh, adjustments and, 
bits and bobs, whether it be a arrangement or structural adjustments. And then we work together as a band from that point. And um, yeah, so for me, that's at least how I tend to approach things. Lyrics kind of come second, but that's not necessarily in terms of importance. It just happens to be the, state, the step of um, how I approach things. Yeah, I've always wondered because you see a lot of bands that have done that same thematic concept rather than the storytelling concept. So it's interesting to understand how that comes about. Curious about one thing, though. I noticed that you sort of have a long-term concept on on in the works that have go back to your earliest albums. Technology killed the kids. We're on part four. Um, <laughs> as much as they've come up, I... I I gotta think there's no small influence for Rush there with the idea of a a trilogy or quadrilogy of songs tracking over multiple albums like they did with Fear. Um, mm -hmm. Was it intentional when you were uh, doing that? Was it? Did you have Rush in mind for that? I mm, I wouldn't say Rush was in not mind. at the time. Yeah, not at the time. Um, I've never I do considered remember. it till right now, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. I do remember. Um, because but that yeah De technology killed the kids too that track we were working on it and i think it was sam our guitarist in the band at the time i think it was his idea to why don't we come up with a sequel to technology killed the kids and that can be that that track so it sort of went from there even then i don't think we necessarily intended to make a part three or four yeah. <laughs> but then we had the the track that would then become technology three on selects of dreams and then we're like okay maybe 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 we could take this track in that direction it sort of happened a stage at a time i think yeah. so there wasn't really a grand i i don't know maybe i shouldn't give the game away <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't <laughs> really a grand plan like. although interestingly actually technology killed the kids for that track was that's actually one of the older tracks on the album it was originally meant to be on selects of dreams that one that's and true, we actually yeah. had it, that, that was, was going to be three and we that was going to be three. right at the time and yeah, by the time we were struggling with it, we couldn't quite get it right, so we ended up shelving it. Um, so the other track became Technology Killed the Kids 3, and then eventually this is now on this album. So yeah, yeah it's, it's been Technology an interesting Killed process. Technology Killed the Kids 4 definitely had the most amount of uh, refinement, you know, about, <laughs> about two, two and a half years of tweaking and shelving it for a bit, coming back, doing more tweaks, shelving it for a bit, doing more tweaks. And... Um, and then eventually it did find its way onto Mannequin, which I'm 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 glad because uh, you know I, I'm really happy with that how 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 that tracks ended up being, and it's definitely mix wise was a lot of fun to work on. Yeah, it, it might be yeah. used to just make a track sound insanely big and make the drums sound insanely big, <laughs> and that that's that's a lot of fun. I think it's my favorite of the four, actually. Yeah, but, actually, I think I I would I would potentially say the same. Yeah. So it's a tradition now. You you do you feel tied to technology? Kill <laughs> no, the kids can, five and six and seven. We can officially say <laughs> we're drawing a line on the technology series <laughs> until we decide <laughs> otherwise on the next album. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> until no, we no, decide no. otherwise. But no, we we kind of thought when we were piecing together the final stages of technology, kill the kids four, we thought. You know what? Let's let's wrap this up. Let's. I think we're done with this whole concept. <laughs> yeah. um, let's play the main riff of Technology Killed the Kids One, and that'll tell everyone that it's over. 
Exactly. We've got yeah. full circle now. It, it does kind of feel the, the ending is kind of full circle. That was the idea behind it. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, like you, you mentioned the Fear series, but I, I think if anything, um, the Twelve Step Suite from Dream Theater is probably more of an influence. Yeah. But even then, that's that's a very loose, very very tenuous link. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And obviously, I guess it's something. It's a topic that's important to you to have inspired four separate songs um, on the same idea. Is is that a fear you have that of what technology is is doing to all of us? I know what it was doing to me when we were getting this thing started. It was not being mm-hmm. friendly, but I think you probably <laughs> had something different in mind than driving us insane. You know, for me, it's on the contrary. I I'm a massive tech head. I love keeping <laughs> up with tech news and. Like I love interacting with new technology, and um, I I know a lot of people are quite scared about the advancements of technology, especially today with AI. There's there's a lot to be concerned about. There's a lot to be worried about. But um, and I get I don't get me wrong. I understand the concerns. I can't help but be like, oh, this is kind of exciting. I like this. This is fun. I like I like bleeding edge technology. However, I do like writing about. The devil's advocate of like oh you know let's let's put myself on the other side of the fence and let's look at how technology is affecting say uh young people growing up and the whole culture surrounding trolling and internet bullying and um and then oh let's look at how uh technology can allow you to live your life without ever leaving the house and never even seeing daylight and like there's 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 all these aspects that you could easily explore um that i guess is me being aware of the downfalls of technology and reflecting on that but then knowing that for me at least um <laughs> by virtue of me being aware of those things i can reflect in a in a cathartic way <laughs> yeah. yeah interesting tidbit on all that too of course is the fact that uh, I, the fact that song begins with that ancient old screaming Dial. computer sound of connecting to the internet. That's the I sound can, of my childhood, that is. <laughs> yeah, I, I can totally say I'll date myself a bit by saying I can recall listening to 90125 and listening to that sound. And I had to flip a switch to do that. <laughs> it didn't just do it inside the computer. Mm-hmm. I had to physically flip the switch to get it to connect. So. No. Nice. I was an early adopter myself and a bit of a tech head. So as much as I can complain about it, um, I, you know, oh, new gadget, oh, new toy, oh, gimme, you know, uh, <laughs> just as quickly as I can. So uh, I I do enjoy it. And yet it's sometimes it's <clears throat> one forgets it's people that are programming these things mm. and the imperfect people are imp- putting in imperfect code. And that's why sometimes I guess they are as random as they are when they're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think with, for me, one of my earliest memories is the sound of the dial-up tone. Well, I, I, I remember very clearly <laughs> being like five years old and being on the old Windows 95 family computer, well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, booting up the thing and the sounds that it would make, yeah. the sound of the fan, the, the beeping and this and that, and then the the dial-up sound. I mean, my my parents were quite early adopters of of um, of the World Wide Web as well. 
so I, I, I my um, exposure to that was quite early on. Um, I remember being one of the first people in my school to have access to the internet, which was kind of wild. <laughs> Everyone around me was like, what's that? <laughs> I'd be explaining like, oh, yeah, you should go to the Disney website and play all these little mini games. And, <laughs> go to the, you know, oh, yeah, very different time. <laughs> yeah, it very much is. <laughs> <laughs> so thinking about it, too, for an album that features so many bright, poppy, upbeat tunes and all that, uh, the, the themes and really and the lyrical content are surprisingly dark, really, if you want to get down to it. Uh, how much was that contrast intentional versus just having worked out that way because that was the music you had to put the lyrics to? <laughs> I, I really love the juxtaposition in our music. Um, I, I just find it fun. I find it fun, the idea of having really fun sounding music, but then the lyrics are incredibly dark. That's always appealed to me, you know, whenever I hear other artists and bands doing that, I I find something satisfying about that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I know that's not a very deep answer, but that's I wouldn't even necessarily say that's just as a result of the uh, of the workflow. I think that's just um I would almost go as far as saying it's on purpose in a way in yeah, in a in a way. <laughs> I mean, I think speaking for myself, a lot of my favorite music does kind of mix the light and the dark elements. Like there's almost the kind of, it's like, I guess almost that all the chaos balance where there's um, two two kind of opposing forces. Um, and I think that's often we try to go for that. I think in terms of the whole light, dark thing. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like in maybe compared to our previous albums, this is the least dark one, maybe. But but even then, yeah, there's obviously a lot of there's a lot of underlying stuff in the lyrics, and yeah. it's definitely got its dark moments. Yeah, for sure. Well, phrases like "my brain is bleeding out my ear" do stand out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. wow, I think like existentialism and reflecting on the loss of motivation and like tracks like "Have Hope," you know, lo losing losing that sense of motivation when it comes to striving for the thing that's, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that you're never seemingly able to reach. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for lyrical worth and value that you can get out of topics like that. And um, I guess in the words of Stephen Wilson, <laughs> not that I'm going to make a habit of quoting him, but if the one thing I will say from Stephen Wilson is that it is a lot more fun to write about depressing things than it is to write about happy things. <laughs> so um, that's, that's may, I guess for me at least is maybe why things go that way. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to quote Stephen Wilson, that's a good person to quote. So, you know, if I <laughs> go with anybody, go with him. Cool. I'm curious too, with the, the, Stylistically, again, the evolution of the band musically, how does that impact or change or present new challenges playing what you did this time around versus the other time? Or does the style really not present anything different? It's just different music. Like, I'm kind of curious on the music. I'm one of those musician wannabes who never practiced enough to get any good at any damn thing, but 
So I'm always curious from your end, like it's one is a very, very different style. What does that offer or present in terms of opportunities and challenges for you guys? I don't know if it is that different as far yeah. as how to actually execute it live or anything like that from the last two albums. We kind of just do it the same way we've been doing it. Uh, I, I can't think of any way as special yeah. in that regard. Can you, Shelby? I, it's pretty no. big thing. More, more stuff to do. The big yeah. thing for me, I, I think it's a funkier album than what we've done before. So sure. I think, yeah. And I've tried, I like my playing. I different, think but yeah. Since the Likes of Dreams, I've tried to, I don't know, I've been developing that side of my playing more. And I think that does come out in this album. And I'm really happy that it did. Um, so that, I I guess maybe just that's the underlying thing for me. It's just more, it's more funky, more, there's more groove, grooviness to it. Um, even in like, I mean, like The End in Mind is one of the more proggy tracks, but even that's got some pretty, I don't know, pretty groovy stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think for me, that's the, if there's one thing I could sort of latch onto. It's that it's just more. Yeah, there's, there's more funkiness, I think, these days with what we do. I think it's a difference in feel. So rather than like I, we all like a challenge and we all like to try new things and force our force ourselves to to bring on new skills. Um, and I think this is just a different type of challenge, right? Rather than like learning complex passages with um, uh, with lots of complex harmonies and expensive chords and a million notes going on, I think this is a different. This is a challenge in the sense of okay, we need to learn how to play within this different feel, right? Yeah, there's still plenty of notes to be fair. Oh, there's definitely <laughs> plenty of notes. Don't get me wrong, but learning how to do something with more of a swing feel is, is you know, we've not really done that before. Um, so that's that's just it's it's fun. It's a new challenge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, because I know certainly the music that obviously influenced this, for the most part, as I recall, it wasn't, again, one of those ones that had the traditional trappings of Prague where, you know, like you said, a million notes a minute where it's like, how many virtuosic things can I try to do um, and tended to play with a little bit more of a mind towards melody and a little bit added restraint. Um, like Joey, I know one of your solos, and I wish I remember which song it was I was hearing at the moment. I remember thinking, boy, that's a really nice melodic restrained solo that could be one of those ones that's more memorable. Like sometimes when the notes are coming at you so fast, it's sometimes difficult to remember it the way you would a hook. But certain people are really good at it. And we'll reference, as always, David Gilmore, you know, with solos he had with Pink Floyd that like I can remember them almost note for note, but I can't do that with a lot of other things. But I remember hearing that with you and I thought, I wonder to what extent playing within these influences pushed for a little bit more restraint than maybe you were used to. Specifically with guitar solos or the across the whole album? All of it, really. Yeah. For guitar solos, I'll start there. It's... um. Yeah, it's hard to say. I I, I think it's a, it, it's really situational what what's called for. Some songs like Have Hope, the solo in Have Hope is nuts and I'll hate myself when I have to eventually relearn it. <laughs> but it kind of had to be that way in terms of the emotion of that moment of the song. So yeah, yeah I don't I'm I'm definitely I definitely think a lot of notes has its place and it's a lot more often than people who say don't ever play a lot of notes think in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so but yeah then like the solo at the end of liminal space is very sparse by comparison it's just long held like 
epic notes. And that's what that called for. So not too much more than that. Sounds like the one I was thinking of. Maybe. Yeah, it could be that one. At the same time, some of that, the hidden factor in a lot of that thing, some, in a lot of those kinds of songs and a lot of that music at times was the bass. Hmm. Um, certainly, I can think of Showtime and Charlie's gone nuts in parts of that where it absolutely calls to mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say that because a yeah. lot of people, a lot of people have been thinking that Charlie plays on Mannequin. However, <laughs> yeah, um, credit. Yeah, no, Charlie only recently joined the band. So oh. we, uh, the bass parts that you hear on Mannequin is our former bassist, Peter, who um, oh. had been with us that? for like, uh, 10 years or so. And he he actually only left the band last, well, this time last year, actually. He um, left basically after we finished, right after we finished it. Yeah, he did his parts, um, signed off on it. And, and then it was just uh, myself, Jerry, and Robin left to... Um, uh, complete the the production and the mixing and and um, that side of things, and then eventually we looked into getting a a new bass player to right. um, take over, and that's where Charlie came in. So as of yet, <laughs> Charlie has not got any recorded bass lines in any Kairos tracks oh. that is uh, that are that are released that right. are released. Yes, right. oh, damn it, the detail escaped my attention. I'll. Hate when no worries. You're, you're far from the Everyone's first. Everyone's been getting <laughs> <Yeah>. that wrong. <laughs> if you saw anything, you were missing. Yeah. As, as I pointed out when I joined, like, um, I'm, I, I'm not visually. I'm not terribly different from Pete. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm the term you use, you're the same genre of guy. Yeah. The same genre of guy. <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sort of kind of long-haired guy who likes to wear floral shirts on stage, as was Peter. And <laughs> if we hadn't told anyone. Uh, it probably wouldn't have. No one would have noticed, and it's clearly worked. Right. <laughs> so, so wait, which which of you's in the video? Um, was that so Char Charlie is, it... is in the video. Charlie okay. is in all of the mannequin videos because yeah. we filmed all of that after Peter left the band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? Maybe well, that's maybe we are culpable for the mis. For the, for the <laughs> yeah, because we're literally just playing Charlie it. as being the one playing, and it's like, what do you expect? If like we're literally showing oh, the, the two Charlie playing the boss, the human. Um, most prominently esoterica and ghosts of you mm -hmm. those those are mostly um synth based aren't they that's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's the ultimate um, irony actually is that esoterica yeah. and ghosts of you don't, don't even have real bass guitar on, on the album it's all uh it's all synth bass no oh, well which is kind um, of like i'm not like you know like visually replicating another person's parts because no one yeah, played them on that instrument to begin it's with. It's purely performative and mm. there for the sake of um, having you be in the video. But yeah. obviously, when we come to doing the live, there will have to be an interpretation of those parts, um, as there already has been with Esoterica. Right. And, um, but... Unless we do a craft work, just still play keyboards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is even funnier than when I go back to it, because as you were saying, you you looked like him, and I'm sitting there thinking, holy crap! Like I'm looking at you now, I'm like you're a dead on ringer for the dude in the video. Well, obviously <laughs> it's you. Two, as you emphasize the fact and point out, it's synth bass primarily. I'm going, and somebody somewhere said, you know what? Why don't you do a stand up bass for this? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. It was just lying around. Let's mock it by having you do a stand-up base. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. weird stuff. I mean, that video, the whole point was almost to kind of like mock the recording process slightly. There's a lot of if you there's a lot of kind of little Easter eggs in that video of us right. kind of doing weird things that you wouldn't normally I remember we set up my drum kit for that video and like it's actually set up horrifically. Like everything's Horrible. just kind of all over the place. And we just thought we'd have a bit of fun. Pile of tiny djembes in front of the yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Out, outside of reach. Yeah, we, we, I don't know. We, we were just having some fun. The the spit, the the spit screen on the microphone in front of the guitar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, just stuff like that. Why not? I actually I noticed the... that and paused. I'm like, why? What's happening? Yeah, there's is yeah, this yeah. some special guitar? I don't know. I mean, there's eight strings, but I didn't think they spit. <laughs> Spitting some riffs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the uh we had a lot of fun with the um the ghost of you video as well that was kind of that was another chance to be a bit tongue-in-cheek because as with esoteric of being uh being all of us saying like okay let's let's poke a bit of fun i mean ghost of you was another chance to <laughs> do a bit more of that let's poke a bit of fun except with the green screen <laughs> oh, very cool I now have to go check this out because you know what, <laughs> now that I'm realizing that those elements that were catching my attention with the, with the esoterica video were there for fun. I now want to look for the rest of them. Yeah, and now I'm intrigued. I don't usually watch videos. Like I'm very much like, eh, like despite growing up in the eighties, we didn't even have MTV in my neighborhood until <laughs> like I was in college. So if, if, it, if you, it really if, didn't impact me. Enjoy a video where we're sort of kind of poking fun at that that kind of thing yeah. just wait oh yeah just you wait yeah <laughs> i like that good i am going to go now check this out i really enjoy that so i'm curious i know you've got some tour dates coming up in in uk and i'm curious any chance those of us over on the other side of the atlantic might be able to get to see you guys live we're we're pushing we're trying to make it happen but it's just so difficult to find um that we 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 uh, there's two there's two issues right yeah. we don't really know how many people we could guarantee at these gigs and then number two we would need someone to bring us over and actually book us for these gigs <laughs> the closest that we could get to that is um like we know that there's been a lot of call for us to play something like prog stock mm. but um again that falls down to the organizers mm. however Doing something like Prog Stock, where once we get a visa for this one festival, that unlocks the opportunity to then do a tour, because a visa is applicable for a, a, a window. You know, yeah. you can you can say, "Oh, we'll be here between this date and this date." Um, but obviously, it's just logistics. You know, it's it's also a lot of cost. It's yeah. very, very, very expensive to get over there, and we wish that we could more easily make it happen. Yeah, but without yeah. a guarantee, it's just. It's just let, so difficult. Let the record show that opportunities have come up and been lost multiple times. So we're not, it's not that we're not trying. Right. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. D don't get us wrong. We've, <laughs> we've had opportunities that yeah. have fallen through time and time again. Yeah. That's one thing I've heard certainly is, is touring is very costly these days and, you know, can be very uh, prohibitive for, you know, for those of us out there, those of you out there who are not Taylor Swift, you know, that, you know, exactly, you know, that it becomes increasingly difficult. So it's, it's, it's lucky when we're able to get 
folks from other countries to be able to come here. A, a colleague of mine describes touring accurately as um, setting fire to a giant suitcase full of money. And that's <laughs> essentially kind of what it is. <laughs> yeah, Fair especially enough. when yeah. you start talking about going over to the States. It's just, you know, the cost of visas alone, you're, you're looking at thousands upon thousands upon thousands. You know, you, by the time you fly all of us out there and you factored in visas and flights, we've already reached about 10 grand. Like yeah. it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. very difficult. This is why I want to move to, to the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'd certainly love to do it. I mean, like with the, we have, we're, I mean, we'll always be enthusiastic about doing it for sure, but it's mm -hmm. just a question of whether we can make it happen. But fingers crossed. I think we're, we're very grateful that we were able to do it in the past you know the fact that we've played the states twice and one of them being a tour is is not something that many people um especially bands of our uh you know at our stage can say and that really comes down to you know major shout out to rosfest and george roldan for being so supportive to us in the early stages of uh, of the band he he was always just like oh yeah no i want to fly you guys out don't worry about the cost don't worry about the visas you know he we need more people like him. <laughs> yes, agreed. We definitely need more people like that here in the U.S. Because it seems to me every time I turn around, I'm seeing all these bands that I'm listening to are playing Prague-oriented festivals. Like the idea of a Prague-oriented festival is almost still sort of borderline alien here. And it's happening all the time over there, whether in the U.K. or over in the mainland and everything. And I keep thinking... Why can't we have that here? Why can't we have something on those, you know, where we have like the the big, big names? Um, mm -hmm. And then everybody else that's doing it as well has that opportunity to come along. And 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 because of those, you know, and it's it just doesn't happen here. And, and it's unfortunate. As far as I'm aware, you guys used to have a few. Like used to have like Near Fest and obviously yeah. you used to have Roz Fest. And, Prog Power. Uh, yeah, Pro yeah. Oh, uh, there, there are a few others as well. So I, they've all just been dropping like flies. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah. Um, Prog Power is still going, but they seem like they've gotten, yeah, like they're not quite sure if they're how prog or how metal they are. They're, mm -hmm. they're, and not even really, like some of the bands I look at, I go, well, it's kind of not prog, but I guess they're prog adjacent. And again, that's when you start getting worried about, you know, the, the labels, but at the same time, it's like, okay. Like if I'm looking for that and this is what you guys are bringing, some of it I'm going to not have as much interest in, or maybe I will if I go find out. It's it's a weird thing, and I'm not even sure I'm expressing it very well. I think Nearfest was a little more true to the billing. I didn't mm -hmm. even hear that one. Yeah, no, that's like a, I think that was a mid-2000s one, right? Yeah. Yeah. They were in my back door almost for years because I lived in the eastern end of Pennsylvania. So they were mm -hmm. about an hour, hour and a half north of me. But I don't know where they were marketing because I did not hear about it, I think, until probably their final year. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's sad that they've all just disappeared one by yeah. one. Hopefully they'll come back. I mean, it seems like Progstock is the only one left. Yeah. Um, at least of of that type of festival, which is just focusing on um, that style of music, you know, yeah. without without getting too heavy into well, without getting too heavy. Okay. So um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see what happens. Like we wouldn't we would never rule it out. If if we could make it happen, we would be over there in a heartbeat. 
Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Otherwise, I'm just going to find my way to the UK. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, please do. <laughs> I, I honestly, for about 10 years, have been there pretty much annually, minus pandemic time. So mm. uh, one way or another. But whether or not I can time it right to me to, to have a concert, uh, attendance is questionable. I lucked out 2022, where this time selected to go coincided perfectly with Marillion weekend. I said, we're going. I told my daughter, Kaylee, let's go. You got to see oh, these guys. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. very cool so that was that was a great experience nice i mean if if you if you happen to find yourself over here in april we'll be doing a set of shows um we are playing playing london on the 25th of april uh so you know if you want to fly over you we'd love to have you at the show <laughs> i will keep that in mind if i can afford it <laughs> <laughs> yep that's the question and we we understand yeah well, it's it's been wonderful talking with you guys. Very, very nice to meet you. Uh, the album is Thank wonderful. You. It's it's lived up to the billing that uh, was given it by those that uh, brought it to my attention. And I, when I mention Fauna by comparison from Haken, that's good because for last year, they were my top album of the year. So I, I think you guys can consider yourselves in running on a lot of uh, early album of the year lists. It's a great Thank work you. there. It's it's excellent. I love listening to it. Um, and I, I hope we get to see you guys here. But meanwhile, while you're touring over there, I hope those shows go great and uh, you have a wonderful time. Thank Thanks you so, so much. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right. Was I kidding? Was I not? No. Fun and thoughtful. Absolutely. I honestly had such a blast talking with everybody. And I came away from the conversation completely impressed with their creativity and their love of music. And of course, the playfulness, always fun. And I cannot say enough good things about Mannequin. If you have not listened to it yet, go find it now. It dropped earlier this month, so it's completely available. Well worth your time, especially if you have a fondness for the 80s, and especially, too, if you love prog rock and you want to hear them mixed together. They do a great job with it. And many, many thanks once again to Shelby and Charlie and Robin and Joe, everybody from Kairos for joining me. It was a great time. And I wish you folks tons of success with the album and the upcoming tour. I hope it's huge for you. And like a lot of us Yanks right now, I'm going to have my fingers crossed that we're going to be able to see you here in the U.S. sometime soon. We can always hope, right? Big thanks to all of you watching out there and listening. I totally appreciate all of you. If you could, toss me a thumbs up. If you could do a subscription as well, just to follow along with all the fun stuff I'll be doing in the future, that'll be great. As always, the social media links are in the description, as is the link to my All Prog All The Time Live 365 channel, The Expanse. Check it out. I think you might like it. Meanwhile, that's all I have for you today. Remember, never fear to deviate from the norm. Keep it proggy. And this is Super Dave, signing off. Super Dave.